Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Live Well Bipolar. I'm so excited about this episode. I'm talking with a special guest today. We met on Instagram. We've been talking for a while and going back and forth. And I'm so excited just to have her here and get into her experiences because her name is Lauren Conti. She is a licensed associate counselor and she's also runs the Life With A Mood Disorder Instagram page. And that's how we got connected and just sharing each other's stories with bipolar, our experiences, diagnosis, where we're at, like what we're trying to continue to learn more about and just improve on. So I'm super excited to have her here. I really want you guys to hear her story and see someone who also worked in psychiatric hospital and tell her own story about her diagnosis and like her history of what she's experiencing and then trying to figure out as well. So Lauren, welcome to the podcast. And thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to get into talk about this stuff. I know. And so let's start from like the beginning. Talk about your diagnosis. I know we were talking a little bit about about that. So what has your experience been like with that part? So I with the diagnosis, I think that's been the most stressful just because I I do know a lot about these disorders, not just from like Of course, I do have a master's degree in this. I've taken a psychopharmacology class. I know about the medications. I'm not a doctor, but my biggest concern is, and people say like, don't worry about the diagnosis as long as it's treated properly. That's all you really care about. But then at the same time, if it's bipolar, then we want to treat it with medication that doesn't make bipolar worse. Mm-hmm. That's kind of been a big topic that I've been talking to a lot of people about that don't know. And I'm not, not saying that like I know everything, but just everything that I've read, there's more and more research and data that supports that antidepressants can actually make bipolar worse. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not like inducing mania, right? It could be making your episodes come more frequently. It could work at first and then the doctors continue to increase the antidepressant instead of the mood stabilizer. And then you're just kind of having these repetitive cycles. So I think because it's so unclear, like what's going on here, and I've been diagnosed with soft bipolar twice. And then I have also been told that It can't really be bipolar unless you have a manic episode, which is understandable. There's no clear diagnosis for me. And I think that's where my anxiety has been. Like, how do we properly treat this Mm -hmm. if we don't really know what it is? And I, I do think one of the books that has probably been most helpful for me is bipolar, not so much, because it talks about the mood spectrum and you can be 99% major depressive But that 1%, whatever symptom it is, that's kind of like putting you on the bipolar spectrum might mean that you respond better to atypicals, the antipsychotics, or some type of mood stabilizer. Mm -hmm. I'm still dealing with it. I mean, I was doing well for like seven months and I I was on a, a very low dose of an antidepressant and a lower dose of an atypical antipsychotic. And it did help me. I don't think that I was great. I was still having a decent amount of bad days, but I was better. Mm -hmm. And then another episode started around the same time as it did last year. So I I kind of found that interesting. Well, interesting if it wasn't me, 
(laughs) (laughs) And it's been tough. I am 32. This happened to me at 31 years old. I never had a day of depression in my life. So it it honestly hit me like a ton of bricks. I was functioning, functioning normally. I went to college. I have a master's degree. I'm married. I had two kids. And then all of a sudden, boom, I have this mental illness. I felt like I was doing okay with accepting it when I was doing well. And then it happens again. And that I can't accept this piece kind of starts over again as you're trying to survive through another episode. Just hearing you get into that, especially when you talk about the acceptance piece when you're doing well and then noticing when you're in, and that's like, I totally understand, like, especially when you're talking about that and then having days where it's not. And then you mentioned going through the background of having this happen like never having depression and then at 31 having this and then the doctors being like, okay, soft bipolar. You're one of the first people I've heard that from. What is soft bipolar? It's a good question. I I continue to ask the doctors that. And I say doctors because at the time I was seeing two, one who was here in my state. And then there was another one that I was seeing virtually more for like testing. And because you want to believe like, there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. Like, what is it? Let's try to find it. And she, this lady did a lot of that testing and supplements. The most clear I've been on this is you could have a personality that is, there's a certain word for it. And I, I cannot remember the word, but just like very hyperactive type of personality, a go-getter, perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And I was all of those things, very driven motivated. That's kind of how one of the doctors described it. And also because my father, who died three years ago, told nobody that he suffered with depression. Mm -hmm. And when I started getting better, well, actually, even prior to that, I saw a medium after he passed away, before I got the illness. And the medium told me your father had ups and downs throughout his life, and they were not diagnosed. I still didn't understand what that meant at the time of the session with the medium, but literally three weeks later, I got the illness and I knew exactly what he meant with the downs. So that's the only reason I knew. And then I started looking into all of his paperwork and I found out that he did suffer pretty significantly with depression. And he also just like some of his behaviors were just a little erratic and and strange So I did tell the doctors that, and they told me to be depressed that long, like how I described my father, like what I found out about him, that that is more, it follows more of a bipolar cycle. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that for me, I get like four days of this severe high anxiety Mm -hmm. and then boom, depression. So And again, I've been told from these two doctors that that cycle of the anxiety into the depression is more like a soft bipolar. Mm -hmm. But then I've also been told, no way, you have not had a manic episode. You have not had a hypomanic episode. This cannot be bipolar. It's recurrent depression. Yeah. See, that reminds me too, like just hearing you describe that, because I know we are getting into a little bit of 
just like where you're at in my book where I was talking about my misdiagnosis with depression and then getting through that with the bipolar. And then I felt really the same way because I'm like, no, this has to be this. Like this makes sense. Literally what you're saying, doing the research, looking into it, trying to find from the family history and then having doctors be like, no, you haven't had this. And that was the truth for me is I haven't at the time didn't have a full manic episode. It was always more, like the depression and then more of like you're saying, like the anxiety. It's such a weird thing to hear the soft bipolar because usually you think it's the hypomanic manic side. And that's what it sounds like. The part of not like having all these differing answers and then knowing, okay, this is what I'm experiencing. I've gone through this and having this period of doing well for this amount of time and then being hit with the depression side of it. So I'd love to see what things in this journey so far have made a difference for you in terms of just like being able to express that and talk about it and then just have a support or anything like that. What do you have right now in your life as far as like resources that you feel are helpful during this time, like when you're in it? I think that this time having the Instagram, which it's funny because a lot of my friends have told me, don't let this define you. You should stay away from that. Mm -hmm. Just try to stay with the normal people. And that hasn't, that's been the furthest thing from the truth. Having people that have gone through this have told me it took me five years to find what worked and stabilized, but we still have ups and downs. They're just not as severe. That has kept me hopeful. When I'm talking to my friends who don't experience this, which is all of my close friends, they don't know what to say. They don't like, they're just like, can you go to the gym today? A lot of this stuff has been very difficult for me because I did work out every day. I did eat healthy. I did have this like healthy routine and lifestyle. And this still happened to me. So that's been really challenging. And the depression has been so severe that I can't. It's not even like I don't want to work out or anything. Because like, of course, when you're depressed, you don't want to do anything. But this sometimes gets so severe that I literally can barely walk. I'm crawling around. It's just so intense. My normal activities just don't help. So I think having the support from people that I don't even know has really been the most helpful. Mm -hmm. My mom has been very supportive. Of course, my father passed. I have anger toward him for not telling me about this and just like resentment that he could be here Mm -hmm. helping me through it or telling me his experience. And I don't know any of that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think my mom's been pretty good with it. My close friends have been as supportive as they can be, have definitely lost some friends over this, but probably should have gotten rid of them. Even if I didn't have this, I would say the biggest support has really been the Instagram and talking to people that have not the same, but similar Mm -hmm. things. I mean, of course there's some people who really, really struggle to find relief. And I think that scares me. Mm-hmm. It seems like most people do, or they can live with this once it's managed. And I'm hopeful that it's just going to take time to figure out what that is for me. Mm-hmm. Talking about your friends being like, you know, talk more with us or like the normal people. And I've had that literally the same thing you're talking about. And I feel like when I started 
the page too, that's really when I actually started to notice a difference because I know before like people around you are just doing the best that they can, but they don't really fully understand it. So it's just hard. And then just being able to talk to people who, like you said, similar, not the same exact diagnosis. Because I feel like even when you have your diagnosis, you start to become more aware of, okay, like I do these things. And I know we were talking about the Selena Gomez documentary my mind in me and I love how we were just going back and forth and you were sharing that because I feel like even seeing other people touch on it and just being able to help your husband understand it more and then with your kids too I just did an interview actually right before this with her name Sharice and she was talking about her kids talking about it with them and becoming more familiar because I feel like that would have been a huge help to me if when I grew up like being like oh this is what mental illness is about or what it looks like and how it can look different because I feel like all I knew was you're sad and choosing not to do anything you can't get up because you don't want to or you're lazy and like you just described literally going from your history of like working with people and having your master's having the counseling license and being very driven and goal-oriented and now you're hit with this and it's not like you're choosing like okay I'm just gonna sit here and not do anything I'm not gonna work out I don't want to you do but you're in this fog and it's almost hard to communicate sometimes like when it hits you and you're just crying and you're having days where you're crying a lot and trying to explain those feelings and I feel like you start to feel more alone even with the degree even with working with people I mean I've seen I saw it all at the hospitals and Mm -hmm. I will tell you that's why I'm so passionate about this now I would never understand this even with the degree even with working with people until it happened to me, I still could not understand this. And that's why I feel like it's so important that we do better with, I don't know, it, we're never going to get people to understand it, right? But for it to be understood as an actual illness is where I'm hoping to make an impact or just like in our lifetime. Mm-hmm this field go because people they think what you're saying they think oh I wish you can just get this off your mind I've been told that can't you just like not think about it for a day and just do something else like no would you tell somebody who had cancer that like Mm -hmm. I think that the documentary that she did especially being a celebrity right it's a step Mm -hmm. but can we do better like when we started talking about possibly doing a documentary or something I I think that it would be so impactful to really like get out there and for people to understand that these are real illnesses Mm -hmm. because on our social network, like with our Instagram and everything, I feel like we can make an impact, but Mm -hmm. it's a lot with people who are dealing with the same thing in our community. Like how do we get past that and get everybody else to see how important this stuff is. Mm -hmm. And that I think will also lead to more funding, better treatment and all those things. Having that come out from like Selena Gomez, because I feel like when you look at, it's almost a celebrity, but then having someone like you who literally worked in the field and kind of my background too, like going from working in the psychiatric hospital more on like the like the case managing side and just people from all over because I feel like the assumption is almost like with bipolar, it seems to be more, how do you have a job? And hearing people share with me that people would tell them you probably should have kids. And that's a very real thing to talk about, but it's like when that's a real expectation of like, oh, you probably can't 
have kids because of this or keep a relationship or anything. So really being able to see what works to just communicate that and get clear on here's the things for me that are coming up that are really difficult and are really challenging. And I'm dealing with this right now, especially with that too, like with the medication too, do you have anything that, or have taken any medication that has been helpful or what's your experience been with that? Yeah. So, so last December Mm -hmm. after I was really sick for like four months, cause I went through the denial of this is not happening to me. I, Mm -hmm. this cannot be possible. I'm going to get better, whatever. So And the doctor I was seeing at the time, he told me, if you had a mental illness, you would have been here 10 years ago. There's nothing wrong with you. You have some anxiety and you're having adjustment disorder with with the stage of life that you're at. And then you want to believe that a doctor is telling you nothing's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. So, but you know, there's really something wrong with me. I can't eat. I'm losing 12 pounds. I can barely walk. I can't change my kid's diaper. So finally in December, I said to him, you need to do something. So he started me on Prozac and I got worse, more depressed. So that's also an indication that maybe this is something more than depression. Mm -hmm. So seven weeks went by, I saw a new doctor. And that's when I, the first time I got diagnosed with a soft bipolar and he put me on a low dose. I started out on like 25 milligrams of Seroquel and five milligrams of Lexapro. And the next day I could walk again and move and wanted to eat. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of days later, we moved it up to 50 and I was on 50 for months, six, seven months. And then I don't know, was it, was it not enough? Was it not a therapeutic dose? Mm-hmm. I've talked about that with one of the doctors. Relapse could be more prevalent when you're not on a dose that's effective for prevention. But I didn't increase the dose because I I felt like, well, if I could stay on low doses, then great. But then it happened again. So now we're backtracking and we moved it up to 75 milligrams, but that wasn't enough. And then I, I actually did get off of the Lexapro in July because of my fear about being on an antidepressant for bipolar. Mm-hmm. And one of the doctors recommended that I do get off of it. And this is something I don't recommend seeing multiple doctors, but when you don't know what's wrong with you, you just, you're trying to figure out who do I trust more? Who makes the most sense? Like who, who is saying what I read in the books? Like, mm-hmm. so I'm, I was trying to figure that out and I don't know, was it right or wrong that I went off the antidepressant? I don't know. But happened to relapse. So I think it would have happened regardless. Mm -hmm. And my hope is that the case is that I really am not on a high enough dose of the Seroquel. I don't know if that's going to be like the medication that we stick with long term because there are side effects there Mm -hmm. that are, I guess, long term, not as great as Lamictal or something like that. So I think eventually we will probably move off of the Seroquel, but they want to try to stabilize me, which I don't know what the next step is going to be now. I see the doctor again Friday, Mm -hmm. so we'll see because he put me back on the antidepressant now Mm -hmm. and it's been a month and I'm still not great. That's kind of where I'm at. And I, I think my hope is lying in if we just increase the mood stabilizer 
then this will hopefully, I'll, I know I'm going to have ups and downs, but it's just going to be less frequent and less severe. That's my hope. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah. Cause I was on so many ones too, and I couldn't remember all the names and I was like, okay, Abilify, Wellbutrin, Prozac, Lexapro, and then uh, Limicdol. And then now I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the same, pretty similar thing. So I kept saying, I feel like it's something more than this. And it was pretty similar to how you were with the doctors. Like, no, if you had a mental illness, you would have been here 10 years ago, or it would have been more severe or something like that. So just hearing the excuses based on how you're appearing right now. So it's like, oh, like what I was told, okay, you're working two jobs, you're getting good grades. I think that that was the hardest part too, the medication thing. So I know what worked for me was going into the hospital and that's when I actually got the diagnosis. They're like, okay, bipolar one. And they're like, you're on lithium. And ever since then, that was eight years ago. I've always been on it. It was a lot higher dose. I think it was probably over 1200 milligrams. So like in the morning, you take a certain one and at night you take a certain one. And there was like a morning and night one, morning and night one. And then I was with the doctor because the court ordered treatment for a whole year. You go in for your appointments. And then from there, I didn't have anyone. I didn't have a psychiatrist. I didn't have a therapist or anything. So I was going to my family doctor. I was just getting my medicine refilled there like every couple months and they would do it. But I've always been on lithium ever since then. And I stopped taking the night one like at the start of the pandemic because that I was like drinking a lot more. And I feel like that's something I cut back on. So now it's like, I still drink like once or twice a week. So that's, I feel like has made an impact. And just like you're saying, like just trying to find the right balance with the doses and with the antidepressant. Cause I've heard this too. Someone else was telling me they have the bipolar diagnosis and they take Abilify and then something else. And like, it's a combination it works. And then Lamictal I've heard works really well, but that's the thing is just being like, okay, like can we raise it more? And I feel like that's frustrating because it's almost like you feel like no one's like taking you serious or like listening almost. When I go on Friday, my gut told me this whole time that we needed to raise the mood stabilizer, whatever Mm -hmm. it ends up being, whether, because lithium is a great drug and so is Lamictal. Those Mm -hmm. two, if you respond to those, again, I'm just kind of going by like my education around this. I'm not a doctor, Mm -hmm. but those two are like the best treatment. So my gut just kind of always said that. Like I don't, even though I don't have the manic symptoms or any hypomania, something tells me that that's the route that we should be going. But two out of the three doctors that I was seeing said, let's get you back on the antidepressant. So I said, all right, well, I'm not a doctor. Two doctors say that, that's what I'm going to do. I did it. It's been a month. I'm still pretty miserable. I don't care anymore. I just want to live as as normally as possible. Yeah. And that's what I think is important too. It's just coming out and saying like me too, like I'm not a doctor either, but getting into the mood stabilizer, I feel like that's what it's been for me and just like seeing it in you too. So like maybe seeing, okay, like try Lamictal or lithium or whatever it is, or just which one you're on now. But, and I think that's the thing too, is just knowing that it's just this back and forth, but there's something that's going to help. That's why I love that you bring up the Instagram page and really just sharing your story. Cause I never had this when I was diagnosed. I didn't know that there was anywhere online where people would open up about mental illness. I just saw Instagram as like, you go there and you post your bathing suit pictures and like you go out to the club. That's literally all I would do. I didn't read books. Like I wasn't like how you talk about reading the books that you're- You were young. It's different. When I was that age, when you, this all started happening for you, Mm -hmm. I was doing the same thing. Yeah. I was in college, drinking, partying. Mm -hmm. 
I was a cheerleader. And then I graduated and I partied more. I lived in New York City. Like now mm-hmm. I have two kids, right? So I'm like, I need to survive mm-hmm. and be able to handle these children. Like this is crazy. Mm-hmm. They don't have a mother that like smiles at them. That's the motivation to like figure it out. But when you were going through it, I would have been the same. I I didn't, I was crazy at that time. When did you start getting into the research side of it? When did you get into, okay, I want to learn more about bipolar. It's interesting because I always wanted to work with clients and help people. I just always wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. And even though I didn't have any symptoms of this, my parents were divorced Mm -hmm. and I'm an only child and they got divorced when I was like two. And I just, I had a great childhood, honestly, given the divorce and everything, but I just always felt like this, this could have been better. This, they could have parented better together. They could have, even if they were divorced, they put me in the middle and like just things like that. So, and my father had so much resentment toward my mom. Mm -hmm. So I think I always had an interest in helping people and it started with, I want to help families who are co-parenting. So that's why I went to grad school for it. And then I just started working in the field. You have to do research in grad school, like to an extent to graduate and everything. But it wasn't until this happened to me that I like really started going crazy with it because, you know, it's, I've had a lot of experiences outside of the mental illness that made me not trust how doctors, not not trust doctors, but I just started realizing that the only person that's going to care and advocate for me is me. Mm -hmm. So when the mental illness came, that was like the first really serious health issue that I've had. I've had some like other things, but I was like, oh my God, I have to make sure that they are going to treat me right. This is my health. I'm aware that the more you keep having episodes, the harder it is to treat, the more likely you are to have episodes. I want to try to control what I can. I try to be informed, I guess you could say. Yeah. And And there's a line there. Did I cross the line? Seeing three doctors, not trusting anybody, like maybe a little, but you you try to do the best that you can for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love that you bring that up of controlling what you can, because I feel like that's really the, the whole idea behind why I started the podcast and like why I say, what does it mean to live well bipolar? What is that about? How do you do that? And not be so hard on yourself for having those moments and having those days and right. being like, I need to figure it out. I need to like do better. I need to do something. I need to like come out of this. Like, no, you can't just like snap out of it and having the grace for yourself. So I want to ask you if you could just share one thing that has helped in the past or is helpful for you. Like, what does that look like? So I try to have something to look forward to, even though I really don't enjoy anything when I'm like this. So I'll buy a couple bath bombs Mm -hmm. and I'll sit in the tub after the kids go to sleep. And a lot of the time I will read in there and try to educate, but I I do try to put like a limit to that because I get a little overwhelmed with it. So like some nights I'll just sit in the tub with the bath bomb and light a candle Mm -hmm. or just kind of sit there and try to 
do like any type of mindless activity. I've tried mindfulness. I used to have the Calm app. It doesn't really work for me. I'm not a meditator. Like, I don't know. I'm just very <laughs> like energized. Like when I'm doing well, I'm, my workouts are not yoga. They're running. They are a Stairmaster, lifting weights, doing classes. Like, and I've tried to be that person, the yoga, like spiritual let everything go it just doesn't like work for me (laughs) and I'm like kind of done trying to be somebody that I'm not when I was sick the first time I was going to yoga like every day and just crying in there and Mm -hmm. whatnot but I don't know so the tubs helps me get through it Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say it makes me feel better but it helps me get through it and Mm -hmm. just like talking to people that's that's been a like just distraction from how you feel and it gets you, th- it, well, for me, like it, it just gets me through the day, like talking to the people that are closest to me that understand the best they can. And then the other thing, and some sometimes like not nobody on this planet has like all the money in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So that kind of, you, you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to go get a facial every day mm-hmm. until this depression's over. But like once a week or like once a month when I'm really not doing well, I'll try to plan something like that. Mm -hmm. Like go get a facial. So I just sit there and they do whatever. Or I'll go to my acupuncturist and I'll just lay there. If I can go get a massage and facial and acupuncture daily until the depression was over, (laughs) great. But for me, at least I can't do that every day. So I look forward to the tubs. I love the mindlessness that you add in there too. Like the mindless aspect of not having to make yourself do something to like get through it. I love that you just emphasize that because that's something too, like just being able to say, okay, this is what Lauren does. Like this is maybe what I could try when I'm having these days, the tubs, the bath bombs, like doing just something for you once a month, once a week, whatever it is, talking to people, having these conversations and I want to thank you for coming out here and sharing what you've experienced in your history with the diagnosis and the work that you've done and what you're doing now and what's working now and what's the progress been like and what does the future look like? I just love being able to hear your story. It is so helpful and I can't wait to just continue to stay in touch and just support one another and just have this community because it's means so much to me. So I want to thank you, Lauren, just for coming out. Thank you. Thank you. you. You're going to make a really big impact on a lot of people's lives. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And again, before we, before we hop off, tell everyone where they can find you. So my Instagram is life with a mood disorder. You can find me there. My personal one, I believe, what is it? LG Conti, C-O-N-T-E-Y. You can find me either place. I'm happy to talk Anytime, really. Anyone struggling, I am seriously, I, I'm struggling right now too, but I am more than happy to talk to anybody at any time. Yes, guys, go follow her. I'm going to put all that information in the show notes. And on that note, I want to end it and say bye to you guys. I hope that you have a good rest of the day or night whenever you're listening to this. And bye to Lauren. So bye, guys. And bye, Lauren. Bye. Bye, everyone.